0: Disgusting. And frankly, I don't even. I don't. I, to, seriously, I'm, I'm making a serious point. I don't know what half of them were protesting against. You Well, a lot of them. Then, well, good on them. We've just witnessed some of the biggest protests against lockdowns in Sydney, Melbourne, and Brisbane that we've seen in the last 18 months. The commentary across the board has been universally condemnation against the protesters, but I am intrigued by the City of Sydney councillor, Angela Vithorkas, who joins me now, because she has been outspoken in that these people protesting, by and large, were not crazies, they were desperate. Their lives, their businesses, their families have been sent to the wall. Thank you for joining me, Angela. Let's have a chat about exactly what happened with these protests and, and how we can change it moving forward. How are you?
1: I'm well, thank you, Matt, and thank you for having me and being able to highlight this issue. I guess the the thing that struck me the most immediately about the protests that happened on Saturday uh, here in Sydney was that it was being referred to as hunting down these people to find them and ridicule oh, yeah. them. Yep. And th- this is extremely disturbing because we're talking about our own people, Matt. We weren't invaded by a foreign army that we needed to, mm. to hunt down these criminals. Mm. These were people that took to the streets to show how desperate they were and needed to have their voice heard. And I know that from so many different perspectives, it can feel irresponsible given that we're in the middle of this horrible lockdown yeah. in New South Wales and Greater Sydney. and. That the fact that we seem to have a delta variant that is extremely contagious and, and spreading within our households etc i understand all of that i accept all of that i wasn't at that protest and i probably wouldn't march because of those things and i have family i want to keep safe but i do understand their desperation and people like you and i matt have different channels to be able to voice our opinions the normal everyday person maybe they have a hundred friends on facebook maybe 20 on Instagram, where are they supposed to go to have their voice heard? And I think this is what's missing with our leadership is that they don't understand where these people are.
0: Are you suggesting that they are being driven to these kinds of selfish and uh, irresponsible actions, as they've been labelled, driven because they have no other voice?
1: Absolutely. And taking heart from the fact that there are so many of them united, in this, in this cause. And I think that actually gave them courage because they knew they weren't alone. We are in isolation. We're being told, don't leave your home, don't go to work, don't be mobile. It's even been said, don't talk to people if you have to go to the supermarket and buy things. Treat every person you come into contact with as if they've already got the coronavirus and the Delta strain. All of this fear and scaremongering, I understand we have to have rules. I understand they're trying to squash something and eliminate or eradicate or get to zero. I understand all of that. But they have forgotten that our way of life, living in densely populated areas, which Greater Sydney is, that putting us all in isolation and having no contact with other people Not being able to work and support our families. When these thousands and thousands of people are often living from week to week and paycheck to paycheck, they're watching all of that go out the door except them. Their freedom is being denied. Their ability to make a living is being denied. Seeing their families is being denied. Even when they lose a family member and they get together to give each other that support, they're then labelled spreading the virus because... That's what happened at a funeral gathering. So I'm already at the end of my tether and I'm not in their position. If I was, I would have been out there with them.
0: It's clear that uh, the premiers and the police forces are losing control of the population in general. And this is quite a scary thought I'd like to explore with you. They seem to be losing control. In Melbourne, we just had our own big protest on Saturday. And for the first time, I saw the police being forced to back down from a lockdown protest. There's just too many of them. What would you suggest, Kerry, Chant and friends and and Gladys, how could they change their messaging when clearly they're desperate to regain control and keep a civil society operating? What should they say?
1: So they, they get asked this at almost every press conference. Do you think you should change your messaging? Do you think you should come up with something else? And it's very clear that what they're saying isn't working because it's not resonating with people. And the reason it's not resonating Matt, is because they give us the ultimatum of what they want us to do. Mm. Their solution is telling us what to do, but their solution isn't saying what they are going to do, what they will do to make sure this doesn't happen again, what they will do to give us support during this time when they're telling us what they want us to do. So had they come out immediately With the ability of saying we need you to stay locked down for these reasons and we understand that this is going to be a problem we understand that so we're going to immediately provide you with financial surety so that the last thing you have to do is worry about later or how you're going to support your family now had they done that from the beginning instead of making us kicking and screaming every step of the way to give us a crumb of financial assistance, then perhaps they would have alleviated the anguish and the stress and the desperation that they can't combat or fight or control any longer with any more of their ultimatums about what we're supposed to do to make their lives easier, not ours. So-
0: What's wrong with the up to $15,000 grants for small businesses in New South Wales and the $600 disaster payment from SCOMA? What's wrong with those?
1: Well, first of all, the eligibility criteria around them don't all fit. They're two separate programs because Mm. Services Australia is only about the individual and Mm. New South Wales is taking care of the businesses. Mm. But there was already a system in place with JobKeeper, Um, The accountants, the bookkeepers, the business owners all knew how that system worked. They shouldn't be trying to reinvent the wheel in short-term fixes because that's what's crippling the business owners in eligibility criteria, the process, the meaning of everything. You know, apart from speaking to business owners, it's the accountants who in the last 18 months have also been put under pressure trying to deliver solutions to their clients who in turn can't even afford to pay them for their hours that they're doing to make sure they get some of the compensation. So that that $15,000 from the state government in New South Wales has so many eligibility criteria and hoops that the small business owners have to jump through from the one point. And the other point is, well, if you're a business owner in New South Wales, you're probably paying at least half of that minimum a month in rent. So what's that going to do for you? Not much.
0: So, so you want to see the return of JobKeeper. That's what yeah. you're suggesting. And yeah. do you think if this happened, it would have uh, calmed some of the unrest we're seeing rise on our streets?
1: Absolutely. Not only would it, would it have calmed it, but it also would have given a better path out of lockdown because... The government was very quick in coming forward, if you remember, when we came out of lockdown and we're moving away freely. Look how well the economy's bounced back and look at our unemployment figures, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. But that's because there was a cushioning of JobKeeper. People stayed home, they were able Mm. to save money, they bought more things online, and when things came out of lockdown, they went straight out to enjoying themselves and moving about freely. And things weren't back to normal pre-COVID, but the trajectory was there. And then we went into a harder lockdown in New South Wales with absolutely no safety net.
0: Okay. I, I note that now there is talk of, well, SCOMA has offered the ADF to <laughs> imprison Fairfield and Blacktown residents with military on our streets. Unthinkable. But anyway, it seems we're at a fork in the road now. You've just suggested something more civilised like supporting people, JobKeeper 2.0 yeah. and so on. Uh, or are we up to 3.0? I don't know. But the 2.0. other path in, in the... In the is this heavy-handed lockdown approach again? Let's put the ADF and build a fence around Fairfield. Uh, which way do you think we're going to go, and what will happen if we go down the uh, the ADF route?
1: Uh, I can't see the ADF coming in. I can't see Gladys taking up that uh, offer because it would look like she had lost control. She mm-hmm. has but it would look again like she'd lost control. Plus, I think there's a cultural significance there as well, Matt. uh, We have a very diverse community in New South Wales and a lot of them would feel immediately threatened and rightly so, should we see the ADF come in. Now, they might come in covertly to help administer vaccines or do more testing. You know, that might be a backdoor entry, but I I think the optics on that, and I, I wanna highlight that word optics, And I think most decisions have been made in this country in the last 18 months based on optics, polling, political perspectives, uh, backdoor agreements and a whole other agenda that we're not all privy to. I felt very differently this time last year. I was very quiet. I felt that the government had a job to do and they were doing the best they could. And I didn't think they needed another voice judging them or in the mixing pot because it was a crisis we had to get through. Mm. But 18 months later, I'm disgusted at the lunacy that politics has brought to the table because it hasn't brought solutions. It's It's put forward bad decisions not based on making something happen for the better.
0: If they continue this approach then, Angela, perhaps not towards the ADF solution, but certainly towards stricter and stricter lockdown measures, as we've been seeing the screws tighten on southwestern Sydney, Uh, is that the kind of lunacy you're talking about when they just keep on demanding more and more of the citizens?
1: It is, and the disappointment that the reason we got here is no longer if it even was briefly talked about, and there's not even a solution for that. So, if I'm in the middle of a crisis, Matt, I want to hear a few things to help me get through the day, right? I want to hear you've got my back. I'm not hearing that. I'm hearing we're doing the best we can and I don't have a crystal ball. So, you don't got my back. I want to hear that things are under control. I do want to hear that. It doesn't matter how I think it looks. I want to hear them say confidently, this is under control. We expect the cases... To go up, but here's what we're going to do to make sure in the next few weeks, this is going to happen, this is going to happen. And then I want to hear what you did wrong or didn't do that I'm in this situation because we need consequence, right? This is this is the ordinary person. I'm in trouble locked in my house because of something that you did or didn't do. So you need to admit what you've done and then you need to show me and tell me what you're going to do to make sure this never happens again? I haven't heard that.
0: Yes, but there is an interesting interplay, a difference at the moment between what you just described—you putting the blame on the on the leaders and the pollies, but they will often say things about us, I, I, even even when they're saying it gently. With Kerry Chant saying, "You shouldn't be saying," tr- strike up a conversation in the supermarket. All of the transmissions we're seeing are, are amongst families, and and even if that is the case, certainly the messaging has been to reinforce and emphasise that. Subtly, it is kind of our fault.
1: Yes, it's, it's our fault that we're human. It's our fault that we're confused. It's our fault that we're desperate. It's our fault. It's easy to say. It's your fault. You need to do these things so our contact tracers have this under control. So our hospitals aren't pushed to the brink. I, I understand all those other things and the, and the data that they're giving to underpin what they're saying, but you are trying to herd kittens. And if they don't understand that they have a population to deal with that has diverse cultural issues, that has financial hardship issues, that has understanding of mistrust of government issues, oh, and um, let's see, there's the fact that they have clearly shown they're not in control and they don't know what they're doing in terms of preventing this, managing this, and a way out of this, because, oh, we don't have enough vaccines. Okay, but we still need another strategy, because, Matt, there isn't a small business owner in Australia or in the world that would run their business with such a huge risk factor and not have mitigation strategies and tactics in place. Not one
0: okay let's uh, round out our our little discussion on the lockdowns with this uh, before I'll, then I want to talk to about council um, right now your police commissioner has come out and said if there's another protest there's nothing we can do to stop it and we saw the protest numbers in Sydney and Melbourne last week were so big way bigger than the media reported I've seen the aerial shots yes. they were huge
1: yes there was about 20,000 the reality oh. in Sydney
0: Wow uh, it Wait. certainly looked. Yeah, from the aerial shots, I saw, I'd say way over five, probably ten plus. But okay, wow. Uh, what is going to happen here if Gladys continues to lose control of the state? Because I had this argument with someone, uh, a very intelligent political person, and they said they they couldn't they they, they kept on telling me it's going to be riots in the streets. I said no, we're Australian. That, that that's not that's not we're not going to do a BLM burn down loot. That's that's not what we do. I'm really interested to know, though, what are we going to do? What is going to happen if there's another protest this Saturday? Because we, I, in my lifetime, I've never seen Australians pushed this far to the brink.
1: No, because technically, you would refer to Australians as being quite apathetic, mm. because we've never had real issues in this country that have sent us out marching in the streets. Mm. Sure, there are uh, different parts of our community that demonstrate and march on different isolated issues within their own communities but not this crossed this crossed every cultural um, tag this crossed young old single not single it was families it was mm. older people there was a cross section such a unique cross section that it was a true represent- representation of what makes up our communities but so there's a desperation there too angela yeah
0: so so what is going to how is this desperation going to manifest itself if we have another protest in the coming weeks?
1: I think it's going to reinforce the message to our leaders that what they have been doing has not been enough and it's and it's too little too late because they should have they should have prevented this from happening Matt and they should have known that this would happen. It doesn't take a rocket scientist This is the Department of Health. It's full of health professionals, epidemiologists, psychologists, psychiatrists, behavioural analysis. All of these people would know that if you tell a community of people to stay home and lock them down, there will be a rebellion at some point unless you can offer them hope and a solution and comfort. And they haven't. So what do they expect? I'm surprised it took this long, frankly, and I would be very shocked if it didn't happen again because lots of people saw that protest mm. and will now, could now take, they could now be seeing that this is, hang on, I have an opportunity now to be heard. I am, right. not, I am not condoning it. You shouldn't mm. do it. For the safety and security of all of us because we don't know who is a super spreader because you could very well have the virus it is it is a variant that does transmit very quickly it is affecting younger younger people you know i have an older parent i don't want to do anything to jeopardize anyone close to me i would ask you please don't do that for your own safety but i understand what would drive you to do that if you felt Helpless and isolated, and completely desperate.
0: And I think, I think the the if we're really honest with each other, no matter what we say, the next one is coming, and it's going to be bigger. Uh, and I think then, hopefully, we see a, a, a the government starting to roll over and placate their citizens because at the moment we're heading down a very unstable path, which I never thought Australia would go down. Can well, I, I think ask you?
1: They're already, I think they're already doing that today. Uh, and I, I'm time-sensitive about the, the the timing of this interview, um, but today being the, the 27th of July, right this minute, today's press conference, the Premier was very careful about downplaying how much more time this lockdown would go on for. It was a very soft approach. Two days ago they were talking about doing financial modelling about the lockdown staying till mid or late September. Different message, different day.
0: Okay, so she's softening the messaging at least. And don't talk about ADF on the streets. What are you doing, Gladys? Seriously. All right. City of Sydney, my beloved hometown, which I miss. And what I I haven't asked you this before. People should know you're on the council, City of Sydney council. You've been a councillor there for a long time. I would love to know what responsibility Clover Moore and the council there and you, you're on the council, what responsibility you guys have to manage this outbreak and whether you're doing a good job or not.
1: Look, I think the City of Sydney overall is doing a great job from different perspectives. So they've done as much as they could in keeping as many staff employed through the whole 18 months. So where possible, staff were kept on, even when those programs couldn't happen that they work in. A lot of the casual staff were still kept on and paid to a certain degree. Um, unfortunately, you know, there is a lot of council work in terms of community outreach that can't happen. You know, if you're in total lockdown, libraries are closed, et cetera, et cetera, community centres, pools, gyms, all of those things. But a lot of those staff have been redeployed to do other things. So in terms of how we look after our own staff, I I think that's a plus. Not sure we've done enough for our staff mental health-wise. I think that needs to be clearly looked at.
0: What about the the people? Yeah.
1: Yeah, they are our they are our people. They are in isolation. They might be, you know, working a lot from home or dealing with frontline issues. No, no. So, what about
0: the people you serve, your constituents, the people well who work? work? Here we look on. at
1: um, council has two obligations in the community. It's our mm. residential community and then our non-residential community. And those are our visitors every day, our business owners, tourists, et cetera. Now you can cross off the list of tourists, right? they're not here. Um, You can almost cross off the list daily visitors because we're not getting 700,000 people coming into the city every day anymore. Um, We're lucky to get 2% of that and that's only if they're essential. Hmm. So then we look at what are we doing about our business owners uh, and our essential workers. So for essential workers, the city's offering things like free parking. Great, so they can go about doing their works because they don't have to come in on public transport. But for our business owners, here we have the big question. There's a lot of lip service. Um, There is some funding available, but the hoops that you have to jump through to get any business grants from the City of Sydney are even bigger than the hoops you jump through for federal and state government. Mm. Uh, We are, you know, obviously obliged to be very careful with ratepayers' money and there should be a lot of governance surrounding that, but you still could make things easier. Uh, Ironically, a lot of those business grants are for activations that don't even apply during COVID. I mean, how can you activate a city if you're all in lockdown? And I've brought that up. It's very not thinking outside the box.
0: Well, what's an activation?
1: uh, So someone applying for a grant to have a street party to boost the local economy.
0: Oh, so it's positive stimulus type stuff, not, uh, not recovery, keeping people ticking along stuff. Yeah.
1: There is, the city is not offering any money to any business owner that would assist them in a okay. true financial way. Okay. And that, and that is a disappointment in itself because they did a survey. Yes, they surveyed several hundred business owners and asked them, what are your top concerns? Yeah. And number one was financial support.
0: I thought it'd be uh, bike parts and the gay Mardi Gras. Hey, with uh, businesses not getting good support from the City of Sydney, don't they vote for the councillors and the mayor?
1: It's interesting. Uh, the City of Sydney does have a unique act which allows the non residential role of people to or business owners to vote, even though they don't live in the area. Hmm. Um, it's a unique situation, although. Every local government council in New South Wales does have that ability as well, but it's not compulsory and they don't have as an efficient process as the city has now developed in the last five years. Um, before that, it was a very onerous, horrible uh, situation, which has since been rectified, but that took years of lobbying on my part, I want to say.
0: Um, so, you, so we're in that you've lobbied, now. You, what, you've lobbied so that businesses can have a say?
1: Can have a say in a easy streamlined way because the usual speech seven years ago was but they can vote but right. the way that process enabled them to vote was so convoluted that out of the 80,000 business owners that are in the city of Sydney only a few hundred ever bothered to enroll to vote because it was so difficult to do
0: okay but and it's that's also now. it's also very expensive Angela look at this we're going to talk about this author in a minute, Matt O'Sullivan, but he writes here in the Sydney Morning Herald, what's this about? He's saying it's really expensive to have all of these uh, businesses voting.
1: Yes, the state government made the decision that it was going to be the responsibility of the city of Sydney to set up and manage the role of the non-residential part of the community, so anyone mm-hmm. that is uh, is a business owner in the city of Sydney, and, and that Required a, a, an infrastructure spend and investment in both resources of people uh, and technology to do that, and that is a thirteen million dollar investment on the city's behalf. But that's over a number of years, mm-hmm. and it's going to cost about one and a half million a year to keep that rolling over and being maintained. But that is that is part of the democratic process because seven years ago the business role got expunged every election cycle. So every business owner had to start again. Now the city's been charged to maintain that process. So it's always up to date. They're always there. And it takes three minutes online to enrol, whereas before it used to take six different pieces of of legal contracts that you had to hire someone to read for you. And when you did put it in, it was still paper. You you never really knew, knew if you were verified to vote
0: So I get the feeling that uh, they're they're being dragged, kicking and screaming to have the business vote in there. Is that because Clover has survived with such hegemony uh, because she relies on the residential inner city votes and this threatens her?
1: So I've always been very aware that the majority of council, 80% of councillors, do not support small business having a voice in the city of Sydney. They, they do not support it. That's 80% of them. Now, I, I've always been aware of that and I've understood that they've had concerns with it, but nevertheless, we do have that right to vote. What surprised me and horrified me was that at this time when our small business community in Australia, Matt, not just Sydney, in Australia, is under duress, every small business owner to some degree in Australia has been impacted by COVID, Mm. right? And it's been more than just Greater Sydney, so let's not be selfish. It's not just us. But at this particular time, when everybody is paying lip service to small business, you know, whether you believe in them or not, whether you like them or not, the politicians are all all our small business community, right? Engine room Mm. of our economy, blah, blah. Mm. At this particular time, 80% 80% of these councillors are coming out and saying that this is a bad thing for small business. They should not. They threaten the democracy of our residents. And when I heard that quoted as recently as two or three weeks ago, I could not have been more horrified and my heart broke in a thousand pieces even more to think that the lip service that they're paying, our Lord Mayor, Clover Moore and her entire team of councillors, plus the Labor councillor that makes up 80% of council, have come out and said they are against businesses having a voice and a democratic right to vote. And on the other hand, they're writing to the Premier, Matt, and the Prime Minister to do more for small business. So it's okay to hitch a wagon to supposedly supporting us, small businesses, but don't let us have a right to vote because. We might tell you how we feel.
0: Yeah, careful. Uh, Democracy is scary. Do you have, did you say 80,000 small businesses or 80,000 people in small businesses?
1: 80,000 active business owners.
0: Okay. In the city of Sydney. In the city of Sydney. When I say.
1: They employ over 600,000 people, Matt, and 75,000 of them live in the city of Sydney.
0: 600,000 employees. Yes. In the this city is, of Sydney. This
1: is what we represent. This is why we are the engine room of the economy. We we contribute 80% of the rates that the city amalgamates. That's something like $270 million of revenue a year comes from business owners. But Only 72-odd million. And, and they don't want us to have a say. We're threatening democracy. So we're okay for ka but not to have a voice.
0: Yes, well it's honestly, I know this sounds a bit mean, but it is our own fault. Our small business owners need to actually yes. do something about this. I know we're busy and I know we're struggling, but we need to stand up for once and get a bit more politically engaged. Now, are you the only one standing up on this kind of uh, issue in the city of Sydney or are there others right behind you doing raising the raising the noise on it?
1: No, it's it's just me. Even though there are liberal councillors who are obviously for small business having a vote, they're, they're torn between a blue vote or a small business should vote whichever way they want vote.
0: I'm Yeah, I think we've all figured out that Liberals in this country are useless, which is why they're being abandoned everywhere from Campbell Newman, who's going to join the LDP, uh, Ruddick yeah. and there are others, others to come that I can't mention. Hey, the reason why I ask whether you're the only one standing up is this, right? I've noticed, and you've clearly noticed as well, this is the same Sydney Morning Herald writer who wrote that article saying it's too expensive for businesses to vote in the city of Sydney. In this little article here, this is just one example, but there seems to be a campaign to squash. I don't know if it's just to squash you. It's to squash the business voice in general. Here, he he says in this introduction, Labour councillor Linda Scott. So she's a Labour councillor, Greens candidate and former Merrickville councillor, um, Sylvie Ellesmore, Ellesmore Small business advocate, Angela Vithilkas, which is you, who is you. But notice you're just an advocate. You're not a counselor, you know, Uh, and indigenous leader Yvonne Weldon, are challenging um, the Lord Mayor Clovermore. Am I jumping at shadows here thinking that they are trying to malign you, minimize the small business voice by treating you like this?
1: Well, I think it's treating the small business community with contempt. I think it's highly disrespectful. Um, I am a two-term serving elected City of Sydney councillor. I founded and I lead the Small Business Party. This isn't ego or pride talking. This is the fact that your political rivals, and clearly the SMH uh, is in the pocket of one of those political rivals, The best way they can treat you with the utmost contempt is to not give you any oxygen Mm. or airtime. So Mm. notice how they've avoided mentioning that I am a counselor. They've Mm. mentioned that another one is a former counselor, (laughs) but they haven't pointed out that I'm an elected, still sitting and serving counsellor, and notice how they're not saying that I'm the leader of the small business party, which Mm. would be the correct form of referring to me. It's not saying anything about me one way or the other other than giving me a title and representing me correctly. But by misinforming people, by accident, by leaving out key bits of information, you're effectively not showing someone else that I might be an option to vote for because you're not even saying how I would appear on the ballot paper.
0: Yeah, this dynamic though, Angela, goes so much bigger than you. I think it's representative of the real battle we see especially coming from the left, we often think of it as business versus the community and business just want profits and the community, we need our hospitals and so on. But I think there's actually three tiers. I think there's actually, there's big business and then there's the average punter on the street, but there's also small business and small business is not the same as big business. And when you see a collusion like this, a collusion with the left wing, with the ABC and so on, they are colluding with big business, not the people you represent, not the cafes, in George Street, and this is the battle I think we need to be aware of. We should be supporting small business, just like they are shoulder to shoulder with us as the as the mainstream Australian against big business.
1: Well, when you when you look at the data, ninety two percent of business in Australia is small business. Eighty six percent of businesses in the city of Sydney employ less than twenty people. We're talking about communities. Uh, We're not the high flyers. We're not going to be on the rich list. We're not about to set the world on economic trajectories that are, you know, unforeseen. We're not all the next Steve Jobs. We're the person you buy the coffee from, your newspaper from, you take your dry cleaning to, you buy your hair care products from, all these normal everyday things that we are in lockdown right now and can't do, I might add, Um, tourism, hospitality, Whichever way you look at it, all these little pieces, construction, the subbies, the tradies, every single person almost that touches your life on a daily basis is a small business owner, one way or another. Your accountant, your health professional, all of them, they're small business owners, and they are being treated with so much disdain. And when I come out all the time, and I I I don't want to say who told me this, but I've been highlighting the mental anguish and the mental health that we're suffering as business owners because of our financial distress. You know, it, it's a huge stressor for us and our families. And because I've been highlighting how serious this mental health issue is, and that many people ring me telling me they feel suicidal, I've been called um, directly by by government bureaucrats and told, pulled me up on saying, "You can't keep doing this. You're advocating for suicide." you need to start sounding more hopeful. You need to spin a better story. Really? What what is the better story here if you don't acknowledge the mental health anguish? So even there, they're not understanding, we are going to be impacted for generations. Mm. Small business owners have lost two years of their business life. Most of them will never recover a fraction of it. So many will stay closed. So many families will be impacted and affected. This is serious times for our small business community and still they're not given the respect they deserve.
0: I think one of the reasons is there's a fundamental misunderstanding over when small business gets up and says, this is affecting our business. We've lost $40,000 in trade this week. The natural retort is, well, I would like to earn $40,000 a week. are not you, Mr. Monopoly money? People have no idea uh, in terms of turnover and profit and so on. But more importantly, people don't understand what we do as small business owners. We may have earned $300,000 clear this year, but last year we earned 30. And the year after this year, we may earn 50. And we may average ending up on 70 per year, just like you as a nurse. Okay, they don't understand that, that this left-wing left type media really spins a story, and that's why I love what you are advocating for with the Sydney Morning Herald. Do tell. What is this campaign?
1: Well, if the Sydney Morning Herald is going to um, refrain from even giving the small business party its, its title, uh, and I believe that that is a slight against small business owners, then I would encourage small business owners to cancel their subscription to SMH. Uh, I would encourage them to not advertise in SMH uh, for any of their needs, whether it's employment needs or anything else. So any of those ads, you know, don't put in a personal ad, don't sell your car in one of those ads, don't participate in their economy that they leverage and use, which is small business owners who take up a big percentage of that insight there. So maybe we don't, Advertise in the big dollar sense, but I'm sure we advertise in lots of little dollar sense. I mean, when I was active in hospitality a few years ago, before state government took care of that, um, (laughs) I was spending something like a thousand dollars, two thousand dollars a month in Sydney Morning Herald vacant ads looking for staff and employment. So I'm just saying that they are disrespecting us let's tell them how we feel and let's let's vote with our feet yep. or our dollars
0: okay so we're doing a boycott angela what is yeah. this is this is the first boycott i've been involved in uh, smh is owned by 9 It w- w- was fairfax which is purchased by 9 how can you avoid them who do they own carsales.com.au realestate.com.au
1: yes there's all of that there's um, don't don't click on links with stories that are from smh oh. don't read smh don't do anything like that. Completely disregard them. Take the app off your phone. Um, as I said, cancel subscriptions. I'm and, and if it's all connected to nine and, you know, I'd, I'd be happy if Channel 9 said sorry to me um, and apologised and rectified it. I mean, it's an online story. You can fix that, right? Yeah. So I would welcome that, but I would welcome them even more by, you know, let's separate me from the story. Come out and say this wasn't an insult for small business. Say it. Is the maybe guardian it's all owned-
0: in my mind <laughs> well i don't think it is. is is the guardian owned by nine or are they just another no. separate left wing yeah I good think they're separate. i'm trying to give people an alternative because you know we can tell people to go read the australian or the herald sun or whatever but some people want some left-leaning news well go read um, the guardian instead of the smh Crikey! Right. crikey or i don't know we can go full crazy let's go the young turks and uh oh wait even the most the abc whoo hey mayor i want to be able to say i'm welcoming mayor angela fitokas to the show and this is before i knew you angela i, I had a bee in my bonnet about clover moore i had a medical clinic in in the city of sydney lga and the way she treated us this is back in 2006 i had it for 10 years uh, onwards she was shocking and i just saw her no one can touch her no one can dethrone her from that position is there a chance in hell that you could Because you're running for mayor in December.
1: Correct. Look, here here is the reality. You've got to be in it to win it. Um, It's not my first Lord Mayoral campaign. This will be my third campaign um, from previously. So I ran in 2012. I got elected as a councillor, obviously not as Lord Mayor. I ran in 2016, got elected as a councillor, obviously not as Lord Mayor. Uh, The main issue here is I am running again to make sure that Should I be fortuitously elected as a councillor that we have a small business voice on council? Now, do I have a chance to be Lord Mayor? Why not? Why not? All you have to do is step up and vote. Tis the season. And the numbers are there, Matt. The numbers are there. There is a very good chance of toppling the current throned queen (laughs) out with the old and in with the new. There is a very good chance.
0: But as a backup
1: plan, there's always a a backup plan, right? You've got to have a backup plan. If enough small businesses come forward or if enough people in the community who support small business come forward and vote for me and the others on my ticket and my team, we could actually hold the balance of power in the city of Sydney and get true reform because, like any small business owner, we're all about how to leave a better place, how to have an exit strategy. I don't want to be there forever. I didn't call it the Angela Vithulkas Party. I called it the Small Business Party. Because it's not about vanity, vanity metrics. It's about a legacy of making sure that small business has a voice and a seat at the table. So make sure we have a voice and a seat at the table by voting. We so, don't care about titles, Matt.
0: Well, Clover Moore does. But so why why would people vote for you to be mayor? Uh, What are you going to do if you become mayor in December?
1: Very important that the first thing that I put out there was that we should cap mayoral terms. So right now the current mayor has been there for 17 (laughs) years. 39 years as a councillor she's been in there. 39 years as a councillor, 17 years of them. Uh, as Lord Mayor, and if she gets elected again, it'll be 20 years, two decades as Mayor. I think we should cap consecutive Lord Mayoral terms. You shouldn't be able to serve longer than 12 years, three terms running.
0: We that's have a, a 10-year yeah. financial plan. Yep. Yeah.
1: As council, we have to. We're required by legislation to submit a 10-year financial plan. Three yeah. consecutive terms gives you a good go at trying to see through that
0: plan. Great. Matches.
1: And that's protecting the future, Matt doesn't matter who gets elected, right? I'm yeah. saying moving forward, if you've been happy with Clover, good for you. But what about when she's not around? Because she's already said this will be her last term. Mm. So who's next? Will she anoint someone who then has that expectation of being there forever as well? Because I don't want that for my city, even if I'm not
0: on council. What are you going to do for small business? Are you going to give, give them money to survive? What would you do here?
1: Financial support is really important and so is recovery coming out of this. Yeah. And two of the biggest areas uh, that small business are challenged is in terms of compliance. Yeah. So they're really hit hard from a council perspective when it can take 18 months to get a DA through yeah. so you can open a business. Yeah. I mean, it, it's it's heartbreaking, right? It's not yeah. it's not rocket science. Yeah. You can get a DA approved for a 50-storey building faster yeah. than you can get a small business to open its doors. Yeah. So clearly they don't have the same friends, right? Yeah. Um, so compliance is really important, but important from the perspective we should have a dedicated small business compliance unit. People are used to dealing with small business owners who know what they need, who can help them. The biggest challenge now, we have an adversarial system in compliance in council mm. where it's an us versus them. It's like the applicant, the small business owner, is the enemy, Matt. Oh, we won't help them. We won't answer their question. We won't tell them, do this, tick this, this box so you can go to the next level. Let's push it through this way. I'll help you. No, we don't do that.
0: So you're going to put in a small business advocate. It sounds like basically, if I could just cut all your policies down to one line, you're going to infiltrate the City of Sydney Council with people who are not only going to look after the city, they're going to actually look after business interests in the city, which makes up 80% of the rates. This
1: is this is what I'm saying. We pay 80% of the rates. Why aren't we better served just from a streamlined perspective, Matt? I'm not saying, oh, automatically all DAs should be approved mm-hmm. or, or there doesn't need to be health and safety compliance. Of course there does. But when you are, when it takes you 18 months to make something happen. How, how much of an investment is that in your time? And even more importantly, we need a small business hotline, a small business emergency hotline staffed by people. When you have a trading emergency, it doesn't matter what's caused it, Matt, whether it's someone digging up out the front of your shop or your business, whether it's someone who's cut off your power. And I don't know about Victoria, but in New South Wales, Ausgrid is notorious for turning off power randomly and not caring about the bodies they leave behind. Mm. Whatever impact you have, if you have a trading emergency, I want every small business owner to be able to call council and they have to help you, not refer you. It's not a concierge, Mm. it's the trauma center. We have to be able to help you, whether it's find out who you've got to call and call on your behalf, or find out where this is happening from or advocate for you on a very serious and deeper level. We need those in place.
0: Okay, listen up, small business. You can register now to vote because the Mm. election has been delayed until the end of this year for the mayor, the councillors and the mayor, there's council elections. Uh, Registrations were closed but it's reopened, right?
1: If you go to, and I'll give you the link, if you go to the City of Sydney page, Um, where the elections and enrolment is. It's a few clicks. Really, it is the simplest process. I've made sure that I've sat with people to do it because I'm already a voter because I'm a resident, so I haven't had to do it for myself. Um, But for family members, I've helped them through it. I've helped other small business owners. You don't need help. You don't need a scientific degree. You don't need to have a PhD after your name or a doctor before your name. Everybody can do this. You just have to be eligible and fit the criteria. And it's very simple. You have to have been trading for a minimum of three months. Um, You need to have an ABN and you need to have a physical site address.
0: OK, small business owners in the City of Sydney, go to the City of Sydney website. This is the one shot I have seen my entire life growing up in Sydney, uh, and I'm not sure we'll get it again. This is the one shot right now. The momentum is behind small business. Look at the devastation. the The political will is there. Let's make this happen for once. Just please one bright brief moment of small business taking over the city of Sydney. In three, four years' time, we can go back to the ridiculous situation it is now. But I'd love to see you get in, Angela. Thank you for uh, coming on and giving us an update on what's going on in Sydney. Um, good luck. Honestly, if these are unprecedented times, this is, I don't know what you're going to do next weekend, but just keep it calm.
1: I might observe.
0: Observe, okay. i have had some.
1: take a walk.
0: Oh, okay. Wow. I've had some politicians here ringing me after the protest saying, Matt, explain what happened. Should we go to the next one? And I'm I'm very careful with what I say to these politicians. Anyway, great to see you, Angela. Talk to you again soon.